birthdays. Who's our November birthdays? Where you at? Hey, there's one. Just one. And the other ones are shy. <laughs> oh, I saw another in the back. Uh, November birthdays we'll celebrate as well. Um, we sent out an email this, this weekend, and um, we'll send it out again. But there's a poll. We want to know um, how we can best celebrate Christmas Eve this year. It is a Sunday. Um, Christmas Eve is a Sunday. And so typically we have done a Sunday service on a Sunday morning dedicated to Christmas, whichever one is closest, usually the one right before. And then on Christmas Eve, we've done a candlelight service. So um, do we want to do both? Do we want to do one or the other? You get a voice. So if you didn't get that email or you don't get our emails, uh, let me know. We'll send you that poll. We want accurate data. Uh, We will go with a majority vote um, on this thing. So all right. Enough business. Let's get into the Word of God. Woo! If you have a Bible, um, you can pull that open to... Oh my goodness, we're going to be all over the place. But if I want you to look at one, I'm going to have you look at one that's maybe very familiar. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And if you've been around Christianity and loving Jesus for long, you've probably heard this verse. You may have it on a bookmark, a refrigerator magnet... Uh, who knows, a journal that, why? Because it's such a powerful, powerful passage. Um, But before we we get into that, um, obviously we are um, deep in the Thanksgiving season. The whole morning is revolved around that, and I promise it wasn't like we told everyone, make sure to talk about giving thanks. I think we're all just um, ripe from it from this weekend, as we should be. Um, You know, Thanksgiving is, is a spiritual act, um, every time, because every good gift comes from God, you know? And uh, we, we often at this time of year, we, we stop to remember the things we are grateful for, and we should, you know, and we should give thanks to God for every good gift, amen? Because every good gift comes from above. That's in the Bible. Um, and we should always be living in a space of gratitude. In fact, um, Researchers, researchers have found that those who practice daily gratitude are happier in life. First Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. Um, in Christ Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, a life of gratitude, a life of giving thanks is the way. It's the way of Jesus. And uh, good news that it'll make you happier. Who doesn't want that, right? Um, But rejoicing, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. That's that's, that's the part right there, and um, it's right to give thanks for what we see it as good. It's right to give thanks for what we have, but can we find a way to thank God in all the circumstances, right? That's the challenge in, in the ways we may not yet see God's hand, or can we even thank God for what we don't have yet? Um, we're going to look today at um, the way of Jesus and that Jesus gave thanks. Um, did you know? He did. And so we're going to kind of follow through the, the Gospels, highlight Jesus' life of thanksgiving. And I, I believe God's going to touch your heart. I believe he's going to open your eyes. I believe something is going to change in your circumstance as you see the way Jesus 
chose to give thanks and what happens. So can we pray before we dive in? Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your presence in us. We pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we open up your word and look at your life, that you, Jesus, would come alive to us and that you would lead us in the way of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So that we have been and still are in, in this series on the way of Jesus. I'm not tired of it yet. Um, I think it's been really fruitful and powerful, and it fits so well even today with the theme of, of Thanksgiving. So we're going to focus in specifically now. Thanksgiving, as has been said, is all throughout the Word of God. Um, and there are so powerful realities, some powerful truths in that. But specifically, we want to look at Thanksgiving, giving thanks in the life of Jesus. Um, you can make a case that there are, in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, specifically seven times, which is a great number, seven times um, specifically where we see, get a glimpse into Jesus giving thanks to the Father in prayer. Now, we're not going to hit them all up uh, for time's sake, um, but I'll tell you about them. Um, the first two are... Um, sometimes translated praise. And it's in Matthew 11, Jesus begins denouncing all the cities that had rejected them and essentially calling down judgment about them, which is wild because we don't see Jesus do that a lot in his earthly ministry. Um, but then he stops, makes an aside and says, Father, I thank you or I praise you that you've hidden these things from the wise and revealed them to the little children. And that, that same phraseology is used in Luke chapter 10, but in that instance, it's recorded as being after he sends the disciples out to, to share the good news of the kingdom with his authority, and they come back, and they're like, Jesus, we did it, and demons even submitted to us in your name. You know the story. And he goes, that's awesome. I saw Satan fall like lightning, but don't rejoice in all that. Rejoice that your names are in the the Lamb's Book of Life, in the, in, written in heaven. And then he goes on and, and goes right into this prayer. Father, I thank you that you have not revealed this to the wise and learned, but to these children. He's talking about his disciples. So they, you could make a case that it's two accounts. Maybe it's one account, but it still counts in the seven that, that are, are recorded. So the ones I want to look at are, are more in, in, the, in the vein of his ministry. And I think you'll notice some really um, profound uh, similarities in these as we go through, but I want to let you see them. So the first stop, if you want to look at it, um, you can turn in your Bible, but we're going to put it up here as well, to Matthew chapter 15. And uh, in Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 32. Um, so this is one of um, two scenarios where Jesus is doing his ministry and crowds have gathered. Crowds have come to hear him. And in this one, I believe the context is he had actually been healing everyone, all manner of disease, and, and people were coming from all around to be healed and being healed by Jesus. A phenomenal time of ministry, but, you know, large crowds couldn't gather in the village. They had to go out of the village. And so here they are, all these people there to see Jesus, hungry for Jesus, and now hungry for food. All right, so chapter 15 of Matthew, verse, starting verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So they're essentially fasting. <laughs> uh, 
I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Jesus is so kind. And his disciples said, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Verse 34, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Keep reading verse 35. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. Now, I didn't read this part, but there were 4,000 plus people there. So seven, seven loaves of bread and two fish fed 4,000 people. All right, so let's, let's look at this, and you can help me out. We're in the story. Jesus sees the people. He has compassion on them. He's like, I don't want to send them all away hungry. He says, uh, what do we have? And so then he gives thanks to God. What does he give thanks to God for? Seven loaves. Seven loaves of bread and a couple fish. Thank you, God, for seven loaves and a couple fish. And when Jesus thanked God for seven loaves of bread and a couple fish, what happened? 4,000 people ate and were satisfied because he thanked God for seven loaves of bread. Hello? Are, are you hearing this? Something happened when Jesus gave thanks to God for seven loaves of bread. And then you can make a case, what did Jesus, does Jesus need to thank God? Like, really, does he need to thank God? He is God, right? But Jesus is modeling something for us here. The question was, what do we have? We have seven loaves and a couple fish, Jesus. Give them to me. Thank you, Father, for seven loaves. We got a hungry crowd, bless them. And a hungry crowd was filled and satisfied. That is amazing. Let's look at another one in John chapter 6. This one will look strangely familiar. Um, in the middle of another crowd, preaching and teaching this time, not so much healing. John chapter 6, verse 8. Um, Jesus says, we're, how are we going to feed these? You'd think they would learn, you know, right? We've done this before, you know. But I'm just jumping in the middle of the story because you know it. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, you know this, right? There were two instances. The first one we just read is the feeding of the 4,000, what we call it. And this is called the feeding of the 5,000. They were separate occasions, separate locations, similar results. Jesus said, verse 10, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and so they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, so not including women and children. Let's say 10,000, 15,000, family of four, 20,000 at least. 20,000. Let's, let's make the numbers right. People. And Jesus then took the loaves, the loaves, the five loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Say what? 
as much as they wanted. And then came back around with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat. I love that it wasn't rationed out. When they're walking around with this, what started as five barley loaves and a couple fish, they're like, well, you know, just take a little. We want to make sure we have enough. They took as much as they wanted. Gather the pieces left over. Let nothing be wasted. Verse 13. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So let me ask again. What did Jesus give thanks for? What did he have in his hands? This is your part. Help me out. Five barley loaves. Jesus gave thanks for five barley loaves, and then what happened? 20,000. Did you say 25,000? We'll go with that. 25,000 people had as much as they wanted. Because Jesus thanked God for five barley loaves. You can write the rest of this sermon, can't you? What's the question Jesus has always asked? What do we have? I'm going to ask you in your life, what do you have? Not what do you need, not what do you want. What do you have? How about you take that in your hands, thank the Father for it, and then see what he'll do. All right, let's look at another one. Are you ready? John chapter 11. This one's a little different. It's not another feeding, feeding story. John chapter 11 is a little more intense, very personal to Jesus. It's when he's called to his friends, Mary and Martha, because their brother, his friend, Lazarus, was dying. In fact, died while Jesus was on the way. Let's read the story. Jumping in again, I'm not reading it all for, for time and context, although we're actually really good on time. John chapter 11, verse 38. He had been talking to the sisters, so they've been very emotional. Jesus is touched because he cares about this family, like these are his people in the city of Bethany. And so Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I mean, foreshadowing much. Um, and verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, thank you for the practical ones, Lord. The sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? It will still be stinky, but you get to see the glory of God. So, verse 41, they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That's different. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, and when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, how loud do you have to be to wake the dead? <laughs> Lazarus! Come out! There's probably something there to the power of our words. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen. I mean, I bet it was kind of weird, wild, and funny. How do you look? You've been wrapped up for burial, and you come staggering out of your, your burial place. And a cloth around his face. And we'll stop there, because the dead man came alive. All right, same question. What did Jesus thank God for? For hearing, for listening. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Wow. We'll talk about that in a sec. But then what happened when he thanked God for hearing him? The dead guy came alive, right? Okay, just just making sure you're still with me. But what did Jesus thank God? He thanked God for hearing him. Now about what? You have to ask the question, and it doesn't say specifically. I would infer Maybe a couple things. Maybe Jesus on the way to Lazarus had already been talking to the father about this. Father, I believe you want to heal my friend. Or, or maybe it's like, Father, will you? Will you raise my friend from the dead? Will you heal him out of that grave? Maybe they'd had a personal interaction over this point. But also as I read this, I'm looking at what he said to Martha and what he had said before. This is not the first time. Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. I wonder if Jesus is referring to that. God, you heard what I said to my friend Martha in front of all these people about who you are and what you will do in this situation. You heard that I challenged them that if they believed, they'll see your glory. Father, I thank you. You heard me. Your reputation's on the line. Your power is necessary because no one here can do this. I thank you that you heard me. I know you always hear me, but I thank you that you heard me for the sake of the people here. So was it that they had a conversation before? Was it because he just put God's name on the line? Or was it that Jesus had walked in confidence that God always heard him? I'm just going to say all of the above. But Jesus could stand with faith and confidence in the middle of what was with an anticipation of what could be Because he had faith in the one he was thanking. Faith in the one he was thanking. Is this making sense? So when Jesus thanks God, thanks the Father for hearing his prayer, hearing his words, his friend of three days dead walks out of the grave. That's incredible. That's crazy on all kinds of levels. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Four days in the grave. What what do we see in common in all of these circumstances? See, here's the contrast I'm making. We have Thanksgiving. We think of all the things we're grateful for, all the things we're thankful, all the things God has done and given, and, and grateful we should be. But in the life of Jesus, something wild is happening. The Jesus here gives thanks before the thing happens. He thanks God in the now with an anticipation of what's yet to come. Does that make sense? He's thanking God in before the miracle comes. He's thanking God before the provision comes. You know, it's hard though, isn't it? Like if you say you have a bill, your mortgage comes due. Let's say it's $1,000. I'm just picking numbers. And you've come to the beginning of the month, and you have 300 in the bank account. The first response we have isn't usually, 
Father, thank you for this $300. Am I right? But one who knows the Father, one who knows that the Father hears, one who knows that the Father is provider, will take the 300 or the five loaves or the seven loaves and a couple fish and say, Father, I thank you. Because he knows. Because he's already gone before you. Because he has the answer at hand. And maybe it's just that our giving of thanks unlocks what he wanted to give all along. That's what we seem to see in the life of Jesus. Before there's a miracle, there's a giving of thanks. I think you could make a case from the life of Jesus that it's when we give thanks in the face of our impossible circumstances, or if you want to spin it the other way, when we give thanks in anticipation that God will do something, God will do something. Is this making sense? So what situations for you in your life seem impossible? Seem like, I don't have the power to do this. I don't have the capacity to do this. I don't have the resource to see this situation change. Is it in your job? Is it in your family? Is it in your finances? Your marriage? Maybe Jesus would challenge us to walk in this way and to take what we already have in our hands and thank God for it with an expectation that God has something more. Thank God today for what is already with you so he can multiply it. Because I guarantee you, you have something. God does not leave you destitute with nothing. He never will. The word of God says you will not be left begging for bread. It says that he gives bread and seed. You have something. Whatever you have, thank God for it. It seems like nothing, thank God for it. You're like, I can find it. Look for it. Look for the shred of God's goodness in that circumstance. If it's your job, your marriage, your family, your finances. Look for the shred of the goodness of God in it. Take it literally before God and say, God, I thank you for this. I see you right here. And when we see him right there, it will open the door for the more that he has. That impossibility becomes God's opportunity. Amen? Amen. Giving thanks to God for what we have opens the door for what he has. Does that make sense? Giving thanks for what we have right now opens the door for what he has to give us. So good. This is the way of Jesus. Giving thanks, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I believe giving thanks does, what it affects in us. Um, And then I'm going to hit one more, the final giving thanks in the life of Jesus. Giving thanks to God centers us rightly when we acknowledge him as the source in the beginning God, as Kevin started the service today. Giving thanks centers us rightly. It also, because he's the giver and the provider of all good things, um, 
It also brings us into his presence. Can you guys read that from where you are? It's nice and orange. I didn't actually mean to coordinate my shirt with that, but it's working. Psalm 100 says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we posture ourselves to give thanks to God, we are actually getting into his presence. We put ourselves in the presence of God. Giving thanks also renews your mind, literally. That, that's what I quoted at the beginning. Researchers will tell you a daily habit of gratitude will actually change your brain in the way it works. It will change your experience of life. It's also biblical. <laughs> Let your mind be renewed in the way of thinking. Giving thanks to God increases our faith because we begin to anticipate what God will do next. And it defeats the work of the enemy. Because how does the enemy come at us most of the time? He's trying to discourage us, depress us, tell us what isn't, tell us why we're not worthy, tell us that God's not actually going to be good to us. Wasn't that the first deception in the garden? Did God really say immediately the devil called him to question the goodness and provision of God. And and what he was not saying, the silent silent part, if you will, was God's holding out on you. But when we give thanks to God for God's goodness, we destroy those lying thoughts. And you see it in the Bible, right? Uh, If you know the story of King Jehoshaphat's army, they send out the worshipers first. And what did they say? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures. Give thanks to the Lord. And you know what happened? Just in the giving of thanks, the enemy was defeated. Just in the giving of thanks, they didn't even have to fight the fight. Giving of thanks destroys the work of the enemy. God is so good. Thanksgiving is a powerful weapon in your hand, and it will change your life. But I want to land on Jesus giving thanks for the greatest miracle of all. In Luke chapter 22. And maybe you know where this is going. Luke chapter 22. It's the uh, night when Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's sharing this final last supper with his good friends. And uh, it's a Passover meal. The meal that was instituted generations and generations before. That all spoke of one thing. A coming Passover lamb who would take away the sins of the world. And here they are sitting, having this meal. And it probably wasn't the first time they'd had this meal together. But this would be the last time. And Jesus knew what was going on, even if the apostles didn't. So let's jump into the story in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. They're, they're in the upper room having supper. And when the hour came, Jesus and his, and his apostles reclined at the table And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, verse 17, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now understand, in the Passover meal, there are actually several cups that are passed, so he's going to do that again. (laughs) But we do it once 
in communion. Um, we'll get it there in a minute. And then he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let me ask you again the questions that I asked you on all the other passages. What did Jesus give thanks for here? He gave thanks for his own broken body. Before it was even broken. He gave thanks for his own blood being poured out. Before it was even poured out. Before the greatest miracle of all would be unleashed on the face of the planet. Jesus gave thanks for it. But what kind of passion, what kind of intensity is in his own soul as he breaks the bread and says, this is some bread, eat it. But this is my body. And my body is about to be broken for you. Thank you, God, for my body being broken. Oh, my goodness. I don't know that I could ever do that. But he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. What do you think he was thinking and feeling? Well, the questions I had asked before was, what did he thank God for? And then the next one is, and then what happened? Well, it's a, a day or two in the making. Jesus was betrayed, beaten. His body was broken, and he was hung on a cross. And then what? What was Jesus thanking God for? Jesus was thanking God in anticipation of the greatest miracle that would ever happen. His body had not been broken yet. His blood had not been spilled yet. But when it was, when the day came when his body was broken and his blood would spill, it would be the greatest miracle of all. It would be the greatest miracle that ever touched the face of the planet, which would be what? Forgiveness of sin for all who believe forever. It would be freedom from bondage. It would be life from the dead. It would be defeating of Satan, hell, and the grave forever. This is the greatest miracle of all. It would be a new covenant with the people of God of unbroken fellowship and friendship for all who would choose to believe. No more slaughtering the goats. No more lambs. No more rams. But all who believe are in constant connection with God Almighty. Not just that. He died, rose again, and put his very spirit in human bodies. 
Jesus is thanking God for a miracle yet to come that we're living in right now. The greatest day the world has ever seen. We're living in now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that my sins are forgiven, that my conscience is cleansed, that by your blood my body's healed. Thank you that my life has gone from death to life, from dark to light. Thank you, God, for the broken body. Thank you, God, for your spilled blood for me. Thank you for a new covenant that brings us into the holiest of holies forever. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We're going to take communion. In fact, let's pass those out right now as we close. Thank you. Thank you. And just take those and hold them for a sec. I'll wait a sec while you get that so we're all together. I still, I can't, I can't believe, I can't imagine Jesus giving thanks for his own body being broken. But only because he knew what was the joy set before him, right? That it would be for you and for me. It's crazy, it's crazy. hang on to that for a second. Everybody got it? I'm going to read one more passage. Thank you so much. Um, this is in Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 11, and it's, it's an echo of what we just read, because Jesus started something that day that we continue to this day, but I'm not sure you're ready for what, what's coming at you. So in 1 Corinthians 11, it's a passage often read uh, when we come to take communion let me just read it to you, because you may be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> First Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup of, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That verse 24, he says, and when he had given thanks. Are any of you familiar with the word Eucharist? You heard that one? You you know that one? What is that? It's a word used often by Catholics to refer to what we're about to do. Does anybody know what it means? This passage where it says, and when he gave thanks, is a Greek word, eucharistia. This is the ultimate Thanksgiving feast. Always has been, 
always will be Jesus. Acknowledging that the greatest Thanksgiving meal and the reason and root for all greatness, gratefulness would come from his broken body and blood. Amen. And we call it communion. I told you you're not ready. Are you ready? We call it communion because it's interesting. The Old Testament word for thankfulness comes from a root of a Hebrew word called yada. You guys know that one? Anybody know what it means? Adam was married to Eve, and they yada one another. They knew one another. Yada is an intimate knowing. Thankfulness, the Hebrew word, comes from the great of an, uh, root of this word yada, meaning an intimate knowing. In our thankfulness to God, for God, is an intimate knowing of him. You could call it communion. That's what communion means, doesn't it? A deep, intimate knowing. We've been invited into this greatest Thanksgiving feast of all time and into the great feast of knowing God, the knowledge of God, knowing God intimately and deeply is the greatest gift of all. Amen? Every good gift we have received and will receive flows from the broken body and blood that poured from his side because God so loved the world that he gave. So we give unending thanks, unending praise, unending gratitude in every moment and every season because we are receiving grace upon grace upon grace. Amen. Let's stand together as we take this communion and wrap today. Let us pray. Jesus, we give you thanks.